This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to episode 44 of the Tip of the Iceberg. This is the special post-trade deadline edition. Of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins and general manager Jim Rutherford. Very busy on deadline day. My name is Nick Rolanski. As always, I am joined by Nick Horwath. How are you today, Nick? I'm doing very well. I've been writing all morning, though, so I'm doing well. There you go. And we are also joined by friend of the show, recurring guest, Doug Gladke. How are you doing today, Doug? Pretty good, guys. How are you? We're just dandy. No pens game tonight to make us upset after what happened last weekend. Obviously, everybody who tuned into episode 43 heard how upset we were about those. But, you know, we should be turning a corner around here. So what was your reaction to the pens play over the weekend? I mean, I really didn't have much of an opportunity to see much because I've been working on weekends and I'm working 12 or 13 hour days. You know, the big thing with the Washington game was like, uh, I thought that they were going to come back after Malkin tied it at three with that sick goal we had, but then it just, it, it fell apart. They came out in the third period flat and the, uh, the, you know, the loss to Buffalo was pretty bad, pretty inexcusable. I think that sums it up pretty well. I think we all understood that the Penguins definitely dropped two games. That they should have won to Toronto and Buffalo, especially we've mentioned it a couple of times just because of how funny it is, especially after what happened to Toronto on Saturday, and it's definitely a beatable team if you're going to be a contender in this league. Let's just get into what happened on Monday, the trade deadline. I think it was, and I'll ask you guys, I think it was a much more entertaining deadline day as a whole than we expected around the entire league, not just in Pittsburgh. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it was pretty much nonstop action. I saw that they had like 31 trades total. That was the most trades they've had since the 13-14 season, which I think was the lockout. I believe. So like, you know, everybody was trying to wheel and deal. I feel like there were a couple really good underrated moves by a lot of teams. And I think that the Metropolitan Division got especially harder with so many great talents going into the Metro. The lockout, I think, was the 2012-13 season, but still around the same time period. How about you, Horowat? What did you think about Monday's action as far as the trade deadlines concerned? blew me away considering we're going into trade deadline at least i was feeling like it's trade deadline if you know deadline day if anyone's made their trades they've done them already like there's bound to nothing nothing to happen um but like we said it was a record number i saw also something that it was one of the higher numbers since the 80s as well so it's not something you see very often in any sport for that matter it was one of the most entertaining ones we've had in a while i couldn't get out of bed until about two o'clock I was napping whenever the Sherry trade happened, so... Well, we will talk about the Sherry trade, the Marlowe trade, and everything in between from trade deadline day. We're going to start off with the first move that happened concerning the Pittsburgh Penguins, and it was kind of a minor move, but the Anaheim Ducks claimed Andrew Agazino off of waivers around noontime. Agazino was placed on waivers by the Pittsburgh Penguins on Sunday during the Washington game, coincidentally, even though he was playing in it. But Agazino played 17 games this season for the Pens, notching zero goals, but two assists. 
he's a replacement level player that it, it stinks to lose a guy like this because it's nice to have players that have NHL experience in case of injury. But what do you think about Agazino moving on to the Anaheim Ducks? The only thing that Tommy is that I have no idea how the waiver wire works because I remember the game was happening and multiple sources tweeted and talked about how Agazino was on waivers. And I just thought if you're on waivers, doesn't that mean you like can't be on a team? <laughs> Regardless, he isn't going to Anaheim, which I guess needs that kind of help. I don't know. I mean, nothing much lost for us, I'm saying. Yeah, Anaheim did trade away a good bit of players. So, I mean, maybe just trying to field a team at the end of the season is one of their reasons. Or maybe they just like Andrew Agazino and the way he plays. Dougie, what did you think about the move, putting Andrew Agazino on waivers and eventually losing him to Anaheim? I mean, I think it was something that was going to be inevitable uh, whenever – everybody got healthy because just like Stefan Nason earlier in the season, he was one of those guys that Pittsburgh had stashed down in their minor league system, knowing that they're, even though they're replacement level NHL players, they're still capable of contributing at the NHL level. So I, I felt like it was a no doubter they were going to lose him to waivers. And some people thought, especially with, being right around the trade deadline that maybe he might be on the move a little bit more likely so because of the timing of him being placed on waivers but it opened up the Pittsburgh Penguins to make a couple of moves and first just a little bit after we had news that Andrew Agazino was claimed off of waivers the Pittsburgh Penguins acquire veteran forward Patrick Marlowe from the San Jose Sharks in exchange for a conditional third round pick in 2021 becomes a second rounder if the Penguins win the Stanley Cup this year which at that point think it makes it even more worth it because once you win the Stanley Cup, like I said, everything else is gravy. So while Jim Rutherford didn't go out and get another one of the big fish on trade deadline day, he did get a shark. So we'll start with we'll start with Dougie. What did you think about the move to acquire Patrick Marlowe? I, I was surprised by it because I woke up on Monday morning with with this odd feeling that Patrick Marlowe could potentially be a penguin just because it seemed like Going from like Sunday night into Monday morning, it seemed like they were out on a lot of the big options. It didn't like we we knew that Sherry was still kind of looming and that whole thing was in limbo. We just didn't know to the extent of like what was going to happen. As for the pick, you know, the third becomes a second in 2021. The truth is, if, if you guys, if they win the Stanley Cup, it doesn't matter. And the other thing I need to address was I was surprised at how many people were borderline outraged that they uh, acquired Patrick Marlowe. You know, they, I I guess like, I understand it. Like they're always like, Oh, he's old, which means he's slow, but like he can still fly. He still has his legs. He can still skate. He's going to be really good. Top nine contributor. Uh, Just really depends on figuring out where he's going to play and where he can be the most comfortable here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and a little bit later, what we're going to do is we're going to provide what we think should be the Pittsburgh Penguins lineup if we were handed the lineup card today. And I talked to Horwat a lot, and he said it's pretty tough looking at this lineup, trying to figure out as of right now where everybody's going to go. Patty Marlowe will wear his famed number 12. Dom Simone moved over to number 18, so hopefully he doesn't get a little bit of the Galchenyuks and doesn't go on a little scoreless drought. But Horwat, what did you think of the move to acquire Patrick Marlowe? Um, I think at first I was just on the fence about it just because it seemed so different and odd. And I'm, it was just confusing seeing a team let go of a franchise player twice. I, that's That was really my only thing about it. But other than that, it's you know a great pickup for us. I think the condition is just 
I think it's hysterical personally. Like I've never seen a GM just go, you know what? F it. If we win the cup, you can have a better pick. Like it's that height of condition. It's hysterical to me. And honestly though, moving it up to a second, it's not nothing, even if it does, even if we do win the cup, because then you're still not picking until I can't do 31 times three off the top of my head, but you're not picking until the third round now. That's late. If you really think about it, I'm not saying that, you know, we haven't proven to pull guys up from late round picks, but you know, it's still a sense of that is a very late pick to have. And I'm sure if that was to happen, trades could be ha- trades could happen for picks on draft day. So who knows what could be made by then, but still it's, um, it's not a nothing condition in my opinion. It's just a very bold statement and I love it. <laughs> And we all know what happened with Patrick Marlowe at the beginning of the season. Last season, he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Contract was a little higher than they would have liked, so they traded him to Carolina, who then bought him out. Then he signs with his hometown, not hometown, but his his former team, the San Jose Sharks. 58 games played there. He had 10 goals and 10 assists on the season. So not eye-popping numbers by any means, but at the same time, he's now only getting paid $700,000, so he's officially the lowest paid forward on the Pittsburgh Penguins NHL roster. I don't think I've ever thought about that being a possibility, Patrick Marleau being the lowest paid player on the Penguins roster. Yeah, and 20 points for a 40-year-old guy is honestly pretty solid wherever he's playing. And I think you look at the fact that last year we had a 40-year-old on our team too. His name was Matt Cullen. And where was he at? Right around the 10 goal mark. Now I get Overall, career-wise, Patrick Marlowe and Matt Cullen, there's a little bit of a dichotomy between the two of those. But at the same time, he still has his legs, like Dougie said, and I think that's a very important thing. And that's what General Manager Jim Rutherford said in his his post-deadline interview, too. He said, he brings us the leadership, he's still a really good player, and he can still really skate. And then he also threw the caveat, as you get older, that's important for you, which is a little bit of a shot there to his newest forward. But... He desires to get that ultimate prize. It's going to be big for him. His time is running out, so he should be a good fit for us. That's how he finished off his statements about Patrick Marlowe. Dougie, do you really think that it was very important to Patrick Marlowe to come to a contender, and how important do you think it's going to be to him to try to get that first Stanley Cup? I mean, I think that it's of paramount importance for him because you got to think he was so close in 2016 to doing it. Him and Joe both, and they – they just ran into the runaway train that was Matt Murray in the 2016 Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeet. You know, plus with that, like he went to Toronto on good faith. that They were going to be really good and be able to actually win a playoff round. But that didn't happen. His pretty much his, the entire tenure there, you know, lots of first round exits and lots of heartbreaks. So I think that he, he also like, he wanted to go back to San Jose, obviously for a little bit, but I think, no matter what, he's going to end up on a contender. I'm just surprised he ended up here, but uh, either way, I'm, I'm thrilled to have him here. If you know who else is very thrilled to have Patrick Marlowe be a Pittsburgh Penguin, that's uh, Horwath's buddy, Tyler Kennedy. Very excited to have Patty M as part of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He th- posted that picture that said, Welcome to Pittsburgh, making himself look absolutely tiny, even though we all know he's tiny. We don't need further confirmation of how small he is, but another thing that was mentioned in that interview Patrick Marlowe has played with Sidney Crosby before, an international play for Team Canada. So is that something that we could possibly see? And I'll ask you, Dougie, first, do you think Patrick Marlowe on Sid's wing, along with, I'm guessing, Jason Zucker is stapled to Sidney Crosby's side now. So do you think a, a Crosby-Zucker-Marlowe line is something that we could possibly see here in the near future? 
I think that's something that we could see in a pinch late in games because we're, we got into, we we the Penguins are at a point where they have guys that can win faceoffs on every line on a wing. So I'm thinking late in games you're probably going to see it'll be Zucker, Crosby, and Patty on that right wing in case Sid gets thrown out of the draw. You know, okay. because he had that experience at center for a couple years before they made that switch in San Jose. So I think that that's going to be something that we could see, but I don't know. We'll I, we'll get more into this in a little bit because I have a lot of ideas for it. All right, sounds good. Horrell, what do you think about Patty Marlowe playing up with Sidney Crosby? I, I don't love it off the start, I'll say that, because it's Marlowe might still have the legs under him, but you know, as you get older as well, you don't have the uh, stamina, per se. I mean, I don't know what his stamina looks like, but once you hit 40, you got to figure – you can't be playing a whole 20-plus minute game. At some point, it's kind of got to be taken back a little. So I'm not immediately putting him, up, putting him up on Crosby's line. Maybe that's one of those bad game situations where Sullivan hits the shuffle button on everything and switches that up. Maybe I could see that. That's okay. But for the time being, I'm not seeing Marlowe anywhere past a second or third or, third or fourth line, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that Jim Rutherford was comfortable with his top six after that Zucker acquisition. Even in those interviews prior to the deadline day, he was saying, what are we looking for? We're looking for depth at forward, depth at forward. He's not really saying much about top six because two weeks prior to the deadline, that's when he went out and found his top six winger in Jason Zucker. And obviously we, we all know how that's been working out so far. But after this happened, after they acquired Patrick Marlowe, we found out he's going to be number 12. Thank you, Dom Simone, for being generous and not a little dick. But hey, I'm sure he'll get compensated for that too as well. Another thing Jim Rutherford, I want to say this real quick, another thing Rutherford said about the lineup in our acquisitions is that these he said that these are guys that can not only move up and down the lineup to like any line, like any fourth line guy can play on a first line. They're guys that can also play the opposite wing or center. The way I see that is he took centers, left wing, and right wing players and said they can all play forward. <laughs> and that's it. We'll let them decide where to go on the ice, which is a very interesting way of looking at it and it's very video game-esque almost extremely video game-esque he basically just said everybody is other than crosby and malkin everybody is just a plain forward yeah don't put any other position on them because they're going to be playing everywhere and then shortly after this move we saw from a bunch of different people mike rupp from josh yoey they all said we spoke with jim rutherford after he made this move he is not done yet and there was a moment there that there's a little bit of panic on Twitter world that Johnny Gaudreau had left the ice in oh. Calgary, but he just had to pee, guys. He that he just he just so needed to pee. Listen, that one was so dumb. It's deadline day. I get everybody's on edge, but can't the man just leave the ice surface to pee a little bit? Come on now. I saw another one that was in response to that that Gaudreau took the flames and that kind of thing out of his Twitter bio. The first immediate comment was, "Yeah, he does that every year just to f with people." Oh, that's good. I thought it was good. I was like, that's a nice little catch by him right there. Johnny Gaudreau didn't leave Calgary. Johnny Ham and Cheese? Johnny Ham and Cheese? Hey, Johnny Ham and Cheese with Zucker and Crosby. That's a that's a fun line. Talk about video game-esque lines. What do you think about that, Dougie? John, Johnny Ham and Cheese with Zuck? That would be crazy just to think about. There was a time earlier in the winter where I thought that Johnny Gaudreau was going to be the guy because <laughs> Calgary was going down the toilet, and I was like, like there was like two or three days where I had myself convinced. I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to find a way to pull this off. 
Yep. Instead, Bill Peters gets shit canned, and now Calgary's fighting for a playoff spot. So, all's well that ends well. The Penguins went out and got Zucker, so I still think we won in the end of the day, or we're in a good position, I should say, in the end of the day. But the Tip of the Iceberg and the Hockey Podcast Network have partnered with NHL Shop to give you, our loyal listeners, the opportunity to up your NHL apparel game. Whether it's NHL memorabilia, hockey cards and collectibles, or even simply team apparel, we've got you covered. Just visit us on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast and click the link in the pinned tweet for some awesome deals at NHLshop.com. Okay, so when we come back, there was another trade on trade deadline day. We will obviously be t- diving into the Connor Sheary or Sherry or however the hell you say it. Doesn't matter. He's a Pittsburgh Penguin once again. So we'll dive into that trade that Jim Rutherford made just hours prior to the trade deadline. We will be right back. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg, episode 44, post-trade deadline edition. My name is Nick Berlanski, of course, joined by Nick Horwat and the indomitable Doug Gladkey joining us today for this episode, his third appearance, I believe, of the season, definitely leading our guest appearances. So thanks for coming back, Doug. Yeah, no problem, guys. I love being on this and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be on this one specifically because it gives me an outlet to just talk about it and get it all out of my system. Sometimes Twitter doesn't have enough characters, man. Just doesn't have enough. It doesn't. No, it does not. And you were blowing up Twitter, too. Yeah, I was. You know, I had a couple really good things going there that, you know what, I just need to, like, put my phone down and just sit back and just see what happens. Yeah, you were an all-star on Twitter yesterday. I would say I was a little bit of a half a star on Twitter yesterday, but Horowat with the 13 reasons why, I mean, with Connor Sheary, I mean, just... Winner for the day. Winner for the day. That solely got us like 10 more followers right there. So I thank you again, Horwat. Like I said, it was a trade that at first you guys were random raving about reclaiming Shiri for – I'm saying Shiri. I don't care. He Shiri was the one that scored. I think Say it how you want. Yeah, that too. I've also just heard that argument. Shiri is the one that scored. Sherry got shit rocked and we kicked him. But you guys are random raving about you know his return, and I was not for it. I don't know why, just Hater. it wasn't my cup of tea, but then that damn smile got me, and I was like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> it was that I smile, couldn't help it. That damn smile. So, as we are alluding to, the Pittsburgh Penguins traded Dominic Cahoon to the Buffalo Sabres for two forwards, Connor Sherry and Evan Rodriguez. Let's start by saying what we lost. Dominic Cahoon, 50 games played this season, currently rehabbing that injury he took when he got hit in the knee with a shot in that second Toronto game last week. But this season, 50 games played, 10 goals, 17 assists for 27 points. Before the season, he was acquired by the Penguins from Chicago for Ole Mata. So I guess we turned Ole Mata into Connor Sherry. There's a line you never thought you'd hear. What do you guys think? I'll start with Horwat on this one. What do you think about losing a player of the caliber of Dom Cahoon? That was the one downside of this trade for me and still is. Dom Cahoon is not the guy you wanted to trade, especially if you were going to bring back a guy that is also an RFA. I know me and Doug had that conversation of bringing back an RFA because we have so many that are up this year. Rodriguez is another part of the trade that was a question mark for me, so I'm not sure how to feel about it yet exactly, considering he was bounced in and out of Buffalo's lineup 
and is only holding nine points on the season right now. So I don't expect him to do too much here, you know, going forward other than management again, speaks highly of him. He's a quick guy. People at the hockey writers are thinking he's a Jared McCann type. And one of them has a very sick feeling that they're going to re-sign him over McCann. Going forward, it's going to be a question mark all around with Rodriguez. Sheary is fine. He's going to come back and hopefully be Pittsburgh Sheary. And just losing Cahoon was not, wasn't the move for me, but I guess it had to get done one way or the other. And overall, it shouldn't be terrible. So, Horowitz, is what you're saying that we should be expecting, or at least our, our listeners should be expecting, another episode of Must Sign, Maybe Sign, or Must Go? Come off season, however that may go, yes, because whenever I did our first list, I did people whose contracts are up next year's as well, so I'm ready for it. Oh yeah, we also have so we added Connor Sherry, Patrick Marlowe, and Evan Rodriguez that we'd have to go through. So let's let's see how they play for the Penguins before we determine their fate come the off season. We will get down to that, but Dougie, let's hear your thoughts on losing Dominic Cahoon. All right, I'm kind of in a different boat here. He was a good two-way forward, but at the same time, like I feel like in the grand scheme of things, he was just nothing more than an extra body. I feel like he lost his spot a little bit after they got Zucker because especially since whenever he went out with the injury, McCann went back with Malkin and Russ, and that looked like it was clicking. So it was either going to be a third or fourth line role for him or he wasn't going to play. And with all the acquisitions, especially after we got Marlowe, I was thinking it out, and I'm like, I don't know how Cahoon's going to play whenever Aston Reese gets back. So I think they had to do something. Yeah. Well, I thought there is easy Aston Reese doesn't play. Listen, I've seen a lot of people say that, and we'll have that argument a little bit later. Okay, so we'll, we'll that's fine. We'll put a pin in that one. But as far as Dominic Cahoon's concerned, obviously only his second year in the NHL. He's 24 years old, so he's very young. I thought the big part of his game, because at the beginning of the season, he struggled to score points or to do anything. Because when he came in, of course, trying to get him with Crosby and everything, he struggled to get points. But his defense and his speed was something that really, I think you guys mentioned it, just it really caught your eye because it, it wasn't Brandon Tanev speed. But it was a lot of speed, a lot more speed than we saw last year from the lineup. So I don't know why I liked the kid, especially because of how young he was. He was 24 years old. It was kind of a futures pick to have him on the lineup and I thought he we could probably sign him for cheap unfortunately we traded him it was a little upsetting to me because I didn't want to trade anybody that was currently on the roster I thought this roster and we've mentioned a lot of times or what this roster resembled the 2016 roster I don't think I can say that anymore I think there's too much different now there's too I especially because trying to put it together I don't even know how to put the lineup together I don't know I don't know what the lineup card looks like but I just don't see the resemblance to the 2016 team as much as I did before the trade deadline. That's Remember something that I, said I was writing all morning. Yes. Yeah. Wait till you see that story. I'm guessing I just hit the nail pretty close to the head on that. Very close. Very close to the head. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to this enough about what we've lost. Let's talk about what we gained. You start with what, you know, Connor Sherry or Sherry or however you like to say it. I prefer Sherry just because the Frankie Valley and the four seasons song. Gotta love it. But Connor Sherry, Won two Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh in 16 and 17. Played three previous seasons with Pittsburgh. 184 games played as a Penguin. 93 points, including 48 goals. This season with Buffalo, only nine goals and 10 assists. So just a hair under what Patrick Marlowe has been producing in San Jose. Of course, Sherry comes in with previous experience playing on Crosby's wing all the way up through a Stanley Cup championship. 
I mentioned this during episode 42. I know Dougie mentioned this several times on Twitter. We kind of called this. So, Dougie, that means I'll start with you. How excited are you to have Connor Sherry back in the black and gold? I'm excited about it because I feel like they were missing something without Sherry ever since they made that cap dump of Buffalo. They always missed his presence. Yes, he wasn't really contributing as much in the 18 regular season and especially the 18 playoffs. He's a perfect complement for, for Sid. The plan going forward, at least for right now, would be to start him with Sid and Zucker and see what happens because, you know, there was always that narrative. It's either he produced with Sid or he didn't produce at all. So why not just throw him with Sid, do the familiar move, and just see what happens? Everyone sold me on it. That's all it really is. I wasn't about it at first just because I'm not usually the biggest fan of, I mean, I know this isn't exactly it, but the fan of getting the band back together per se or the boys back together or whatever it is. With it just being one person, you know, it's not the whole deal of we're also going to go get Carter Rowney and, you know, Scott Wilson and add them back to it. So it's not that situation. So I understand that it's just one guy who contributed with us very well and has the ability to continue to do that as well I mean, he's just had a bad year but it's buffalo take those numbers with a grain of salt i guess yeah i knew you weren't going to say daniel sprung there because he's now a washington capital so that yeah, probably stings <laughs> a little bit connor sherry is a ufa at the end of the season and jim rutherford echoed what all three of us just said hockey ops felt he would be a seamless coming back here because he's been here and the way he fit in the locker room before it's not going to take much for him to come back and just right back as if he have never even left. He didn't leave here because we didn't like him. He left here because of a cap situation. We know all of this. So he's Rutherford didn't say anything we didn't already know. It's basically a known commodity in Connor Sherry, what we're getting back. Great on the first line, not that great off of it. Kind of like a Dom Simone. So we'll get into that oh. a little bit later. But like I said, Sherry, known commodity. Evan Rodriguez, on the other hand, not as much. He's played parts of five seasons with Buffalo last season, being the first season that he had full-time up with the Sabres. In those five scenes, 192 games played, 26 goals for 71 points. This season, only five goals and four assists, and he's an RFA at the end of the season. Horowitz, we'll start with that. What do you think about the acquisition of Evan Rodriguez to presumably the bottom six for the Pittsburgh Penguins? I'm saying he's the biggest question mark and has the most to prove out of all of our trades because he's got the most in and out of the lineup status there. And he's a guy that hasn't played here yet and doesn't have almost 1,200 points. He's bag of beans right now. Magic beans. We don't know what it's going to be. It could be phenomenal. It could be Sherry could hit the shits. And we could be looking at Rodriguez like, how has this guy not been here his entire career? Sort of like a Bugstad McCann situation from last year. Exactly. So you never know. I'm excited to see him play at least to get a shot. It'll be fun. Dougie, what about you? What do you think about this move? I like him a lot. I was always trying to potentially dump Alex Galchenyuk to Buffalo and the guy I would always try and get back every single time was Evan Rodriguez because he can play all three all three offensive positions center left wing and right wing I think that he didn't get a fair shake in Buffalo you know there were times where he requested a trade in early December after uh, Jason Botterill brought up an enforcer and took him out of the lineup to play the set enforcer. And I think that was like the final straw for him. He only has like 40 some games under his belt this season, which means he hasn't been playing consistently. So I think that 
it's good for Rodriguez to come into a situation where he's going to have to play consistent minutes right away with the injury situation being what it is so that he can see what he is as a player and the Penguins can see what he is as a player as well. Yeah, and the important thing to me is is something Horwat mentioned, his speed. Because a lot of players, when we were looking around at bottom six, a lot of players didn't really fit the mold as a Pittsburgh Penguin. You didn't really know where they would fit if they came into the Penguins. Evan Rodriguez, there's one thing that is definitely known. Horwat said magic beans, but there's one little one little tidbit that we know. He's an absolute freaking burner. He's very, very quick on his feet. I would say probably close to Tanev speed, Horwat. Just yeah. keeping you up to date with Tanev there because I know he's your boy. But I, I think other than that, I think Evan Rodriguez is very much an unknown commodity and he could very much be found money for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like you said, Doug, he can play all these positions and, and we've mentioned it a lot during this episode because of how important it is or how important it seems to be to Jim Rutherford to have players who can play throughout the lineup. I think what he's trying to do is give Mike Sullivan all the chances he can have to put a winner on the ice because he knows Mike Sullivan will be able to see it and put out a good lineup, which is something we're going to do very, very shortly. That's coming up. So we'll see how our lineup stack up against what he's going to do. Unfortunately, this is being recorded before the LA Kings game. Do you have something else to say? Have an update. Yeah. As of about 20 some minutes ago, the Penguins had practice. Oh, and they and put lines, lines up there. You, you're going to yep. cheat. You're going to cheat. I'm not going to cheat. I'm You're going to use change. his lines and be like, oh, look, I was so right. I was right. I'm not going to change it. what I've had written down. Okay. I'll say that, but I will eventually read us. Boy, that's a winners. lot of lines. How many times did you have to go through this? I told, whenever I texted you and said I've been struggling to do that since 3 p.m. yesterday, it wasn't kidding. Uh, this is why I use I a phone did, to do that? That's fair. I like doing easy. Pen, I'm a pen and pad guy, okay. but I also did the healthy and non-healthy, you know, the current lineup. Yeah. Okay. We have one more thing to talk about. Before we get to those lineups, and just summarizing the rest of the interview for GMJR, he did say he looked at a depth defenseman, but he felt like they have nine, count on nine NHL defensemen now in the organization. You know who that includes? Zachary Trotman. <laughs> I know, I that's funny. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'll give you eight. I will definitely give you eight NHL defensemen. Rutherford, and that is great. That's fantastic. But don't try pushing this fake narrative that Zach Trotman is actually ready to play in the NHL, especially in a run for a division title, especially in a run for a Stanley Cup title. Let him go back down to Wilkes-Barre. Maybe next year, kid. Try not to get your face sliced open again. That's all I'm asking. How's this one? He also said that Joseph is close to being NHL ready. I did hear that. That was interesting because I figure P.O. Joseph would have to get at least another year. I don't think he's anywhere close to this season, and I think Rutherford also mentioned that. But if we see P.O. Joseph next season, I mean, you technically traded Phil Kessel for Jason Zucker and P.O. Joseph. Yes, you did. Not saying highway robbery, but check the numbers, okay? What are you thinking, Dougie? I see you're you're chuckling over there. You got any thoughts on this? I was I was surprised about this. Um, you know, I think it's a big thing whenever he's name dropping P.O. Joseph in an interview that doesn't even pertain to him really. So like I'm thinking to myself, like, God, if he could like break camp next year as the third pair of left handed defensemen, I can just start conducting the train to get Jack Johnson the hell out of here. I'm very, I'm very excited about this. You're gonna have to this fight is... over that conductor spot, man. Yeah, <laughs> there's at least there. twelve to thirteen thousand people who want that position. Yeah, that's very true. The only other thing that he mentioned is Dumoulin and Marino still don't have a timetable, which is 
vastly irritating. But at the same time, he said they're going to be back sooner rather than later. They are with the team in California, so good signs there. What we aren't going to talk about when we do our lineup is going to be defense. We're just going to focus on the forwards because defense is what defense is. So let's get into it. Let's start with the first line. And I'll start with you, Horwat, because it seems like you buried your heart into this experiment. So I'll let you begin with the first line. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's not changing, at least from what I had written down, it's not changing. A Crosby, Simone, and Zucker. That's exactly what I had. Any reasoning that you're keeping it the same? Status quo? Last, Because I said it last episode, they are clicking. Okay, fair enough. I Dougie, what'd you have for a first line? I put Sherry back with Crosby and Zucker. Um, I just, I think it's something that's going to happen right away. Obviously, I think what they should do is keep Simone there, but I know that's not what they're going to do. So I'm sticking with Sherry. All right, that's fair. And I I get that maybe putting Connor Sherry on that first line just gets him back into the play with the Pittsburgh Penguins a little bit easier, but come on. Dom Simone gave up his number. That doesn't mean he has to give up his lineup spot, guys. Come on now. So that's why I'm, I'm sticking with Simone on that first line. I'll lead off second line, and we'll just go left to right here. Brian Rust and Evgeny Malkin, that's that's pretty evident that those two are staple gunned together. And I actually put Patty Marlowe up on the second line right wing. So Ooh. what say you guys? Uh, I had the same except Patty Hornquist. Patty Hornquist. Just keeping the status quo, aren't you, in that top six? Yeah. All right. The top six is very untouchable in my eyes. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Dougie? I had uh, Dom Simone with Malkin and Rust. Really? I don't think that's something we've seen this season. Have we seen Malkin no, and Simone? I don't saw it a little bit last year but what i'm thinking is simone's going to be able to create space for both malkin and russ to be creative so i think that that could be something that could work if simone's able to tread water on that line okay yeah i i can tell you i did look at this lineup thing for at least 45 minutes and i never once even thought about putting simone on that second line but now that you mention it it's it could work I don't know if it will, but it could work. I'll trust you. And just for that, you know what? I'm going to let you lead off. Third line, Dougie, what do you have? I'm going to have Patrick Marlowe, Evan Rodriguez, Patrick Hornquist. Okay, so the Patties and an Evan. Yeah. All righty, all righty. Yeah. I, I like it. I tried my darndest to not put two of the guys we just acquired on deadline day on the same line because I feel like it. you guys are they're in the same position – but I feel like to adjust to the style of play more, I would have them with somebody that's been on the Penguins for at least a week. I think it's it's kind of hard to dictate like what these second and third lines are going to be because I can see a case for you know McCann staying with Malkin and Rust, and then I can also see a case. I really like Simone on a, in the third line. I always have. Something I've always been trying to drive home was like whenever they're fully healthy at some point, do Simone, Bukes, that Hornquist. That was the big reason why I wanted Sherry back was to force that hand. Okay. Okay. Horwat, what do you have for a third line? Uh, I got Bluger centering Tanov and Sherry. And Sherry. Okay. What are your What's your thought process on Sherry getting staple gun to those two? Just that he has the experience with this team already, except. He also doesn't because it is still a new team as well. It's a line that could change pretty quickly because Sherry also does know guys um, in our top six. But just as a starting point to reacclimate him with a Penguin uniform, basically, it's putting him with 
two also relatively new guys that uh, have their own sort of chemistry and something he could thrive off of. And I mentioned this whenever I talked about the trade. There's one thing we know about Evan Rodriguez. It's that he's a burner. So why not put him with another line with a burner? I had Bluger tan Evan Rodriguez. I just, I think the speed at which he plays and the way in which he plays, I think would fit in, especially with Bluger and especially with Tanev. I just feel like, and you mentioned to Dougie, his goal numbers haven't quite been there this season. That's not a line that's primarily focused on trying to put the puck in the net. That's a line that's focused on outworking other teams. So I think, especially if you're looking for a good test for Evan Rodriguez, you put him on that line and see how his hustle actually is next to the fastest guy on your team. I'd like to see the speed comparison with those two on the same sheet of ice. So that's that's why I went with that as my third line. Yeah, I actually I don't disagree. I think it would be a good a really good um third or fourth line. That was that was actually the decision I made whenever I made my first lineup. You gotta keep in mind I have like six or seven different lineups going on in my head right now for how they could go about this, but I don't think they can go wrong with anything at this point. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's that's very fair. As of right now they have what, fourteen? NHL ready forwards. Yeah. So, and 15 if you count Sam Laffrey. Exactly. 15 if you count <laughs> Sam Laffrey. So, one more last line. Let's see what the fourth line is. I'm going to start with Eeny, Meeny, Miney, Duck. All right. I mean, by process of elimination, yeah. it would be Jared McCann, Teddy Bluger, and Brandon Tanev. Man, that's a line. Now that I say that out loud, I don't really like it just from like a lineup balance perspective. Mm hmm. But I think that that line could absolutely just destroy people. I think the hustle in that line is undeniable, especially you putting McCann out there. I completely agree. Horwalt, what do you got for fourth line? McCann and Rodriguez could flip-flop between centers with Marlowe. McCann and Rodriguez and Marlowe. That's your fourth line. Yeah. All right. I just like because that. because it's, like I said before, long before, Marlowe's still older. Shouldn't be playing the most minutes in the world unless need be. He's a guy that can score. I like having a guy that can score on uh, that ability on every line. And he would be the top one down there with McCann being another one. And then Rodriguez, big magic eight ball. So I have Sherry McCann Hornquist. I don't know why. It just popped into my head and I couldn't let it go. Especially <laughs> Patrick Hornquist when he's not in the top six is a completely different animal. But I think putting him with McCann and Sherry just creates a little bit of an that offensive touch with a little bit of the grit that we see McCann have at some points. And, of course, Hornfist carries it through him throughout the entire game. I did happen to take a peek just now before I announced my fourth line of that practice lineup. Do, do you think we should just go through that real quick? Yeah, let's read the first line out first. Yeah. Zucker, Crosby, Sherry. <laughs> there goes my entire prediction. But that's th this is not our prediction. This is what we would do we were head coach Mike Sullivan with an empty lineup card, but he had Zucker Crosby, Sherry rust Malkin Hornk, the second line. So he kept it status quo like Horn or that Horwat would like Marlo Rodriguez, Simone as a third line. That's um, a lot of magic beans on that lineup right there. <laughs> and then uh recce Bluger and Tanev Mark recce also picked up at the deadline as in <laughs> Jared McCann missed practice for an undisclosed reason at this point. Um, so as of like, 10 minutes ago, someone tweeted, McCann is riding an exercise bike as we speak. Who knows? So, maybe he tried to pull something. Or maybe he pulled something. Who, who knows? That is the lineup that they went with for the first Pence practice with these new acquisitions. Tomorrow, before the LA Kings game, we will see 
what the actual first lineup is with these players. Let's finish it up with Dougie. Any any thoughts? Thank you again very much for for joining us. It's always it's always a very very fun episode whenever you join us. Uh, I'm just gonna give you the floor here and let you plug whatever you need to plug and say whatever you need to say. But once again, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys. Um, I have one last thought to give you guys uh, before before we close this out. I think that we're gonna see a lot of line pairings and then that like third wheel. It's just gonna be in a blender. I think. Zucker and Crosby, Rust and Malkin, and then Marlowe and Rodriguez and Bluger and Tanev are the pairings. And then that leaves Sherry, Hornquist, Simone, and McCann as your guys that are going to get mixed around throughout the lineup. And they're all guys that can do that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I can – I can definitely see that happening, especially the way that Mike Sullivan likes to run it. He likes running them four scoring lines. He likes running it through, running through the lines, and I think he can finally do that for the first time in a couple of months. So he's probably pretty excited about this. And you know what all we did just now? Probably going to get thrown into a blender even more once Nick Bukestad and Zach Aston Reese come back from injury. Both of you have been advocates for Zach Aston Reese can ride the suit game during the National Hockey League games. I, I don't. I think he needs to be reunited with Bluger and Tanev as soon as he is healthy. What do you guys think? Zach Aston Reese with Bluger and Tanev again or, or healthy scratch? Just real quick. I think it I think it all really depends on the play of Evan Rodriguez. Because if Rodriguez works out, I don't really see there being a realistic spot for Aston Reese to come back into the lineup because they're not going to pull Simone. And they're not going to pull Patrick Hornquist. So, you know, I don't I don't really know if he has a spot, if Evan Rodriguez ends up working out okay. the way I think he can. Okay, so you see Rodriguez is the linchpin in, in this entire situation. Horwat, what about you? Zach Aston Reese in or out? I'm going to agree with Dougie on this one. It is up to Aston Reese to, or Rodriguez to earn his spot on this team because he wasn't earning it entirely in Buffalo of all places. So it could be his spot to lose again here, despite the great things that we've been hearing. If he takes from Aston Reese, I'm not going to be totally upset by it. It's just a matter of how Rodriguez plays in this uh, stretch coming up. That is all for this one. You can follow us at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter. Our show is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can follow them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. Every team, everywhere. Have a good weekend, Pens fans.